Hi friends, just a brief little addendum to this episode you are about to hear. I am outside, so you will probably hear some birds going. Um, I've made a decision to change the direction of the podcast, um, both of my podcasts. So jokes on me coming up with creatures of change because I mean, really where that came from is many of us, arguably all of us, because we are all constantly having to adapt to change, but some of us also really love change and that is me. So I thought it would be fun to do a podcast on that, but turns out it was only intended to be for one brief little season. And now I am shifting my online focus to an exciting new development um, called Bad Bitch Therapist. So soon we will be relaunching in this podcast feed bad bitch therapist podcast in early 2023 but i didn't want these creatures of change conversations or the past body full conversations to get lost and go away forever so i'm just leaving them here in this feed labeled as the podcast they are so you can continue to find those enjoy those share them and meanwhile watch for brand new episodes coming in early 2023 of bad bitch therapist podcast thanks guys we've all said it at some point i'm just a creature of habit and sure there's a lot to say for consistency and routine but what about that other aphorism the only constant in life is change Maybe we're creatures of change too. In this podcast, we'll explore change from a variety of perspectives. Stories of people who've made huge changes in the trajectory of their lives, others who've made small but lasting and impactful changes in their day-to-day lives. And we'll also just nerd out about the science of human behavior and how we can get better at executing the small changes and embracing the big ones. I'm Valerie Martin, and you're listening to Creatures of Change. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Creatures of Change. I am really excited for this conversation. Our guest today, Melanie, who if you're watching on YouTube, you can already see her beautiful face. She and I used to share office space, and it's funny when you're solo therapist practitioners, like sharing a suite like we were, because... We didn't actually get to see each other a lot, but in passing, it's nice to have to know that you're not alone and to have colleagues that you can check in with. Um, And now Melanie is in a different space and I'm in a different space. And you're going to hear more about what she's doing professionally. But this is also just a conversation about change as a human, because Melanie's been through a lot of change in the past (laughs) couple of years. So That'll be really fun for us to get into. I don't think there's a lot I want to share for the time being. I'm sure I'll come up with things and throw a solo episode together. But let's get into the conversation. Melanie Reese is a board-certified psychotherapist and owner of Trauma Therapy of Nashville, private practice specializing in holistic trauma healing. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified clinical trauma professional, certified brain spotting practitioner, Melanie and her team specialize in treating trauma, women's issues, relationships, and chronic pain and illness. Melanie's background in mind and body give her a unique and effective approach to therapy. She works from a neuro-experiential perspective, using brain spotting, EMDR, mindfulness, somatics, body movement, 
all the things that we'll talk some about today and is also an MFT approved supervisor. So I'm just so excited to see you. And one of the things that we talked a little bit about this before pressing record, but I would love to just get into that in terms of change, you had a big change happen right before COVID where I mentioned that we were in this shared suite. So Mm -hmm. for people who don't know our little world, it's one person is on the lease and the rest of us just write them a check every month. Very low commitment, low risk kind of thing overall. And then you and our friend and colleague, Leah, were like, we're going to go and we're going to lease the entire building across the street, like months before the pandemic and everything was online for a year. And you've made it work. Like you're still there. You're still in the building. You've even taken over more of the building within your own growing practice. But yeah, I would love to just kind of hear like, what that was like. I've had a similar change in terms of growing from the little space to taking on this additional risk and opportunity. But that was such a huge change. And right before the pandemic, I'm curious what that was like to weather. Lee and I joke that we have PTSD from that experience. (laughs) I bet. There were times where, where we truly are best friends, but we're business partners. And that is like a marriage. And we seriously thought about going to see a therapist together. <laughs> yes. Because we both were dedicated to working it out. But we both just kind of had this dream of a space that had different holistic practitioners. And we were just trying to follow flow and saw that happen. And we didn't have anyone signed on. I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to understand the idea of a collective place. Mm-hmm. But hopefully people recognize or resonate with it. And they did. And then we spent months getting it all ready to go. And then the pandemic happened. I think we moved in November and then March was the shutdown. There was a lot of panic, but it actually turned out really well. It gave us a chance to renegotiate a lease. So we dropped down to only two floors and now we have the third floor back because of the growth that's happened. I'm still thankful. I don't know if I would willingly choose to like take on something in the way we took that on before, but we've learned so many lessons from it, how to get along with people and how to think through things. And I think we're smart business-wise and human-wise because of it. And so it's something we're we're still doing just because it still works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of the approach that one of my favorite modalities, ACT, takes. Mm-hmm. If it works, great. If it doesn't, don't do it. It's like the idea <laughs> of you stop having that thought. If that worked, I would do it. It doesn't work. So... Yeah, it's yeah. keep doing something while it's working and then be willing to be flexible and adaptive. Yeah, I think one of the biggest, there was a big turning point learning when that got so, the height of that being really stressful and not knowing what to do was, I think the fact that we, I learned to let go of an outcome. And I mm. think that is a big, huge lesson that has contributed to the way I've moved through changes, whether it was just a change that happened or one I tried to create was letting go of the outcome. I learned a skill to notice when I felt like I was trying to make something happen instead of flowing with the thing that was happening and navigating with it that way. So yeah. that big lesson that I think that whole experience of taking on that space and and hiring people, it just, and so I still notice it. And so as the group practice started, it's something I have to continually pay attention to where am I trying to make something happen versus when am I just going with it 
Yeah. Okay. So for anybody listening who's like, that sounds great, Melanie, but (laughs) how am I supposed to just let go because I have to pay these bills or I'm an entrepreneur or I'm trying to do this thing and it's not going to just happen. So how do you nuance that? Yeah. Yeah. I think I I definitely was in that place for a long time. I'm like, yeah, all this sounds really great, but I do have bills to pay. And we were pulling from our personal pockets at that point. And the only thing I can say to that is it's not just don't try. Yeah. Sometimes we hear letting go of outcome or let it happen means not trying. That's really not it at all. It's looking at just trying is showing up. And to me, what that looked like in that situation was we didn't just give up and let it go and go into all kinds of debt and things like that. We saw out like business advisors yeah. and create a plan. We reached out to the landlord and was like, can we renegotiate this or what can happen? Can we get a reduction on our rent? For yeah. That's what showing up in what's happening looks like versus feeling like you don't have a sense of choice. In yeah. That. Exactly. And I think that's such a key distinction, right? And that I always come back to for myself, for my clients is this idea of, yeah, there's a hell of a lot we don't have control over. Where do I have agency here? Yes. I have agency to reach out to landlord. I have agency to hire, to seek expert consultation, right? There are these things that I can show up for really proactively. And then there's a lot of this that I can't even steer because it's just not within my control. Yeah. And I'm a six on the Enneagram. And so I think it is a skill and I've learned to use it in a positive way or productive way for myself. But I have a tendency I'm going to plan about 10 steps out. And I think through whether it was the business stuff or all the other things that changed that happened, another lesson I learned was that I was spending a lot of energy trying to predict and plan for where it could all go wrong to try to prevent Mm. it from going wrong. I failed to recognize all the things I'd been through even prior to that point that helped me. I gained confidence in knowing I know how to show up when it does go Mm -hmm. wrong, that I don't have to spend the energy planning for it to go wrong because then I narrow the possibility of it actually going right if I'm just always anticipating it to go wrong. It's still helpful to to be aware and know things so that we can get has the best chance of going smoothly. But I yeah. was really focusing a lot of attention on where everything was going to go wrong to try to get safety. That's your six yeah. for you. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I think that knowing your natural tendencies and that those aren't bad, you don't need to be a different person, but right. that sometimes even where those can be strengths, they also have their potential shadow. So we have to bring them into check. Whereas someone who's maybe more opposite, who's the seven like me, I sometimes do benefit from thinking through what could happen here. What are the potential liabilities that I at least need to consider? And so both like knowing am I someone who leans too much into that? Am I someone who doesn't? And then the thing I thought of when you were talking to is as Marie Forleo says in the name of her book, everything is figure outable. And just knowing that whatever does happen, yeah, I'll cross that bridge. I trust in my own internal and external resources to figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah. And lets you detach from that idea of there's a certain outcome. We can stay more present moment. We can enjoy it more, but we can come up with solutions and ideas more when we're more in that present instead of worrying about what could go wrong, I think. Yeah. So I am so curious to know about some of the 
internal shifts and changes that you've experienced, even since the last time that we've really connected in the past couple of years, it sounds like you've had some shifts in your religious views, your political views. And we think of those sometimes as much as I wish it would be otherwise. We think of those as these like immutable, unchangeable things. Like This is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. And people then can get their heels dug in and not be open to different perspectives or going, oh, maybe I don't agree with that anymore. Maybe that doesn't resonate. So how did that process even start? Oh, where did it start? I would say Leah suggested a book to me called Mm -hmm. The Surrender Experiment. Ah, Uh, that Michael Singer. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that was a huge thing that made me like think, oh, there's a different way to maybe go about thinking about things or doing things that because that control thing is kind of surrendering to life and what gets put in front of you. But it also, I think, as far as the spirituality shift, he's a meditator. And in his book, he he has this huge meditation center. And he was talking about people that were all coming to this center. And he was naming different religions of people showing up, including Christians, which was what I identified with at the time. And was like, oh, like this is all, it's just, I came out of reading that book with there's so many different paths and there's for me my my belief now is there's one god higher higher power universal yes whatever feels right but it's how do you connect to it and that's really the point that there's not a certain way that's right or wrong christianity was the way i was introduced to it because i lived in the south and i live in america and so that was a good probability that's how I came across it it didn't fit for me it wasn't the best way for me to try to connect to myself in this higher power mm-hmm. source that I felt I knew was there because just with my experience there I even I asked my pastor at the time to to go have coffee mm-hmm. with me and let me ask him some questions Ooh, because what I started seeing in the work I do as a therapist, lots of LGBTQ having questions and working with them around the trauma that's happened as far as mm-hmm. religious abuse. And it just broke my heart. And I was like, I'm a part of this system that is mm-hmm. causing a lot of this pain and harm. And so I asked my pastor because it just yeah. got to the point I couldn't sum it up with like, it's the people who are causing the harm. It's not god i was like there's just an extreme amount of people doing this and systems that are very powerful yes and so that's where i was like i need i want to question and get some answers on this and so we sat down and i just was like i know what the bible says and i know the stance a lot of times with churches around this but i need to know what do you think about gay people in church we hear a lot of messages with churches that mm-hmm. everyone's welcome, but they're not allowed to even serve. So everyone. that's our <laughs> Yeah. And so when I asked him that question, he gave me kind of, I could tell just a church answer. Mm-hmm. I said, thanks for sharing the church answer. I want to know yours. Mm-hmm. You're going to lead me spiritually. I want to know where you stand on this. And he was really honest and he was like I'm intimidated <laughs> in this conversation because yeah. there's an answer you want to hear and he wants to be able to give it to me I could tell it was something he wanted to consolidate for himself but mm. that's just not where he was and what I had, he hadn't I, done yeah 
Yeah. And, and that's, I'm not to say his experience and thoughts are inaccurate, but it just didn't align anymore. So that kind of added to, I'm not sure that this fits with how I can engage with the world and people and that book and conversations that I would, I like surrounding myself with people that think differently than me so that it allows an expansion of my thinking and for change to occur. If I surrounded myself with people that all thought did the same as me, it'd be pretty boring. And so that kind of led to the spiritual shift there with that change is just giving myself permission. Let's try on some different ways of thinking and see what works and what doesn't. And it was hard to let go of that label of like identity. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, oh, what does that mean now? I had to figure that out. And then so then. After about six or eight months of exploring that, then I started to like that was just all of my clients. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you experienced that, but it tends you get things put in front of you that that you're learning just as right. well. So I, I offered a group. I was like, it's an exploration group. It's not mm-hmm. about anything negative. Not about having answers. And I was like, I'm about eight months ahead of you guys that might be just starting this. I was like, but we're gonna explore it, and I think that helped more. I mm-hmm. tend to. When I notice something, I just, I'm like, okay, I dig into it. And right. Like, we teach what we need to learn and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where mm-hmm. I think it started. Yeah. And in hearing a lot of people's experiences of like deconstructing and just deconverting and all of that, there's a lot of universalities of things that people experience and relate to. And it can feel so healing to be with others who've been through that. And there's a lot of aspects that can be very different from person to person because there's so much variability in terms of what did someone's upbringing look like with religion or their family or how much of their world is wrapped into that. And so it's always a challenge. It's always something that can create a lot of disruption or internal, external disorienting. But then, yeah, there are certain times where his entire world has had to turn upside down just for them to really be able to have that permission to really challenge some of the ideas that they had been handed or had taken as truths. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so true. And I think I started asking myself, I just started checking, like kind of questioning everything in a good way. Yeah. Sometimes I'll tell my clients, I'm like, question every thought you think. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't believe everything you think absolutely (laughs) but like start checking in with why am I doing things this way and what I started finding was it was just something that I didn't really think twice I just it was what I was introduced to or taught and just thought this is it but it wasn't ever I was like I'm gonna explore this because if I do and decide how I've been doing it's the best way for me then I've made it for me just because of anything else and so I just started just checking with everything I was doing and like why do I feel like this is done this way it's changed the way that I do therapy as a trauma therapist I'm like who said 50 minutes once a week is the way we're supposed to do therapy Mm -hmm. insurance companies I don't take insurance and I don't do talk therapy (laughs) I do trauma work and it's hard to get stuff done in 50 minutes. So I'm like, I'm going to start doing intensive work to do mm-hmm. just trauma work. I don't have to be the primary therapist for everybody. Yeah, I can just work with them on this. It's what I like doing. And the more I connected to what 
I'm passionate about and what I love. Yeah. I enjoyed my work before, but going through a pandemic as a trauma therapist, you can get burned out. I did. Mm -hmm. I took a month off in January to try to reset and what do I really want to be doing? And now I, work doesn't really feel like work anymore. It's fun. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm thinking of something that one of my friend tours says, actually, her interview will probably be airing right before this one, Jenny Blake, and especially during COVID. But even before that, she was talking about radical reimagining. Everything is up for grabs, right? If we allow ourselves to question every assumption, where might we land? What might our jobs look like? What might our lives look like? What might our beliefs look like? So it sounds like opening that door allowed you to start really holding everything and going, how does this fit for me now? And if it doesn't, or some of it doesn't, can I do about that? Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. Letting, knowing you have the possibility or the opportunity and that it's okay, giving yourself the permission just to think differently and try to understand yourself more. Cool. And I feel like so much of this is there's a lot of energy around all of this with spirituality and religion, especially people talking about it more on social media. Like, it's awesome that these ideas are becoming more widespread. More people are finding avenues to give themselves that permission. But also these wonderful books have always been out there. We just can find them better now because we share things with each other on the Internet and on podcasts and all of that. There's this rabbi who's based in Murfreesboro, and his name is Rabbi Rami Shapiro. He teaches at, I think, MTSU, maybe somewhere. I can't remember. But and he's also written a number of books. And he really is a, an embodiment of what what's called perennial philosophy of like you were saying earlier of all these religions is pointing to the same thing, right? Like we learned that the Jesus story was like, oh, there's a lot of religions that have a very similar story. Even if some of this historically did happen, it's not the only time this has happened. It's not the only figure preaching truth, quote unquote. So he has a great book, Perennial Wisdom for the Spiritually Independent. I'll put it in the show notes. But I love that idea of spiritually independent. Like I can pull from these traditions. I can honor them without necessarily having to identify with anyone and practice that independent, curious thinking. Yeah, no, I agree. I would not put a label on myself besides I'm just spiritual and me. I'm me. Yeah, <laughs> love it. The way we define spirituality, we automatically hear religion or we try to put it in a context, but it's really just, it's an action. It's, yeah. our, I see spirituality as how do you connect to yourself and anything beyond you? It's a practice. And I tell clients this, but I try to really follow it myself. Anything that says it knows you better than you, any person, any religion, any government, anything, go the other way. Even yeah. you know, I'm like, if I ever say anything to a client, I tell them, if I ever say anything that feels like I'm knowing you more than you do, question me, call me out, say it. I don't know you more than you. Um, right. I have to be careful with all of my prior experiences of my own and with clients. And so I like approach my therapy work with, with that idea of, I don't know what's going to help this person heal. My job is just to show up. And help them connect to their natural ability to heal themselves. Mm. Otherwise, I'm being just as oppressive as other systems sure. in their life. So an angle of this that I'm curious about in your own story is, like I said earlier, there are a lot of good reasons why it's very scary to think of changing some of these really core things 
that we feel like kind of shape our identity, who we are, how we see the world. And that especially for some people in their individual situations, the stakes are high, like the risks are high. They know that if I were to question X, if I were to change X, whether it's their beliefs, their sexual orientation their whatever, there would be a price to pay. And sidebar reminds me of a great quote I heard in Ryan Holiday's podcast yesterday. It's not a principle until it costs you money. And it doesn't always have to be literal money, but like there's a price to pay sometimes for having your principles. So I think about when you made this shift for yourself, it's not always just like everyone in our life is like, good for you. I'm so happy for you that you're evolving in this way. Sometimes it costs us things. And I'm curious what that was like for you. Yes, there are costs. I like that phrasing of it's a principle once there's a cost. And there definitely has been. I didn't kind of come out to family as non-Christian for a very long time because my family, they're very Christian and from the South. And I had to do a lot of internal work because I think when the shift first happened, when I would hear, I'm praying for you, I would cringe and get mad, like angry inside. I'm like, oh, one, because I felt like they didn't really know me. I received it as judgment. As I did more work internally to know what all that looked like for me, I could receive, I'm praying for you as a love offering. Mm -hmm. This is how they show love and care or support for other people. I don't use that phrase, but I could receive it as that. And then my father passed away in February and that kind of forced some things to come out. Mm -hmm. And I had family that no longer speak to me because of that. I'm sure there's other things. And so right now the work is for me to learn how to forgive that and to let go and not hold on to judgment. So there is loss. And when it's someone close to you, it can be hard, I think, to stand firm in what you're feeling and thinking because you just want to make it okay, especially when there's other things beyond your belief system being questioned. There's a loss in connection that way. And I think some of the mentality in different religions, not just Christian, is that only that one way is right. Mm-hmm. And I think I've learned to sum it up as I remember talking to my sister, and she's a pastor's wife, about this at the beginning. And she was like, Millie, we want to know that you're okay when you die. And at mm-hmm. the time, I got really fresh. I was like, do you realize saying (laughs) you need me to be a certain way but as I have processed and looked at that and thought through that more it's coming out of fear and love for me her wanting that and she's experiencing the conversation and me and everything through her belief system and I love my sister and I know she loves me and we're fine we we, we Mm. still talk and and are fine but that was it's really hard and I think that I could have just pushed everybody away that had an issue with me, but staying in relationship, like talking with my sister, other friends that that are Christian, it allows me to practice what I feel like I believe now is that there's no right or wrong way. And I'm really just trying to understand myself and other people. I'm still lost and grief to to be worked through. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was a big result, loss of that. And as, of course, you're experiencing personally, we've walked alongside a lot of people navigating Mm -hmm. what do these relationships look like when there's this thing here that may never be resolved. We we may never agree. 
Like it's just always going to be there that there are cases where the loving thing for self is Mm -hmm. to disconnect. But there are cases where that's not necessary. Like you're saying, there can be some messiness and some unresolved stuff Mm -hmm. and we can still love one another. Sometimes we have to love one another at different distances, depending on what's going on and if someone is actively harming us. But yeah, some of what I see in this overly reductionistic social media therapy landscape, it's all this language around toxic this and like just totally cutting out people because they're toxic. And yeah, okay, sometimes a firm line is what's is just what's needed. But many times there's room to be in the messiness together and to be able to be around people who don't share our same beliefs and perspectives. I think we need that. I think that's the issue. If we surround ourselves with people that think, do, and act as we do, we cut ourselves off from a lot of beautiful things. So one of the things I'm curious about too, from your story, I know that you've struggled with chronic pain and illness, and it sounds like there's been a change in how you're approaching that and how you're experiencing that, which I'm sure then, again, you're not saying that your clients are having the same experience as you, but it also brings you different tools and options to offer as ideas for clients who are struggling with those issues. So I'm curious what's changed in your journey with chronic pain or chronic illness? Yeah, thanks. That's a good question and definitely something that has changed for the good in some ways. There's been other things that have been introduced that I'm dealing with, but I'm more holistic now. There was a good while starting in college until I would say about five years ago where I would have a surgery almost every year for something. Wow. Yeah. Insurance would get maxed out to where it was paying a hundred percent for everything. (laughs) And by the end of the year, I was just like, I got to do something different. And I was on a handful of medications. I have chronic migraine, I have kidney stones, I have endometriosis, I have diverticulitis. I've had surgeries for all of those things, sinus surgery, like all those kinds of things. And I'm on, I more take supplements now. I go to more holistic providers. I do sound healing, energy work. Psychedelics has been a thing that I was very skeptical of. And then that became a curiosity. And then read research and materials and books on it and then decided to try it. And that has been a huge shift in the way that I experience my body and approach healing as well. And so more holistic in healing my trauma. And that's why it may be weird sometimes to hear a mental health therapist works with chronic illness in the body. But if you're a holistic provider, you know that those things are not separate, but we tend to keep them separate. But a lot of our chronic illness is trauma and stress induced. And that's the point where I am right now. My body is very stressed. And so trying to do a lot of work because mentally I don't necessarily feel stressed, but my body is in a hyper arousal. It's very inflamed. Like my hands hurt, my ankles and feet hurt, my energy is low and it's all a lot of stress and burnout. And so clearing out of my life, things that are stressful and going back to that like when I try to notice when I'm making mm. something happen versus Tension. going. Yeah. yeah. So I try to recognize really in my body what that feels like, because most people will tell you they experience me as a very calm, 
person, very grounded type of energy. And I am, but internally there are times where I'm very stressed, but it doesn't come out as that. Mm -hmm. Leah's like, you're very good at containing your anxiety and not kind of dishing it out to people. But I didn't recognize that I was doing that. So the work at that point, once I started clicking and realizing some things that were happening, I'm like, oh, now here's some other tools and did a sound bath for the first time. Towards the beginning of the pandemic, Allison Osherman, who now does some stuff in our office, is a sound therapist. And I came across her on Instagram and that caught my attention. And I was like, what is sound therapy? And I reached out to her and was like, tell me what you do. And she came and did a sound bath for the therapist in our office. It was very intense. There was some trauma release that happened and that's not typical for a sound bath. I think I was just really open to the experience. Mm. And I remember thinking, this is some energy stuff, what I always thought was anxiety. There was an excess of energy built up that needed to Mm -hmm. channel to move through. And after that experience, it was like I was then aware of something I wasn't before. And I knew I had to figure out what that meant for me. Mm. And I had a relationship during last year that really was a wonderful experience in helping me explore those things. They were like-minded in that sense and further along in their meditation practice and those types of things. And so that allowed me to engage with it more and explore it more. Psychedelics, I was experienced for the first time in that relationship. And I think that was a huge purpose of that relationship to help me grow and expand in that way, because now it is a huge part of the work I do, helping others heal. Meditation is a practice in a way that I can check in with what I need. It's a way for me to practice what I ask clients to do. And so the more I learn and practice and do that for myself, the more I can help others connect and know that for themselves too. So that all has just been a huge shift in learning experience, yeah. in a way that I continue to learn and deepen my work internally and show up with others too. And I imagine you can tell me if you disagree with this, but Western medicine, medication, surgery, all that is not mutually exclusive with some of these other modalities. So often people need a combination of both. And so I think we're talking about the polarization and when people just dig their heels into their perspective, they lose that possibility to be fluid and flexible and open. And that includes being really strong in either polarity of like big pharma is evil and the psychiatric medications never work and people are just trying to find an easy solution and people will put you on as many meds as you want, whatever versus looking at that as the be-all, end-all, and that I'm not willing to try anything that my primary care doctor is not going to give me. So I think it's tricky because I'm very much a believer in that sort of integrative approach of let's look at all our options. Let's use what works. If it's not working, let's explore what else or how the different things can be complementary. And it's tricky because sometimes I do see in this wellness sphere that's been something I've talked about in different spaces that 
especially during the pandemic and seeing how some of the wellness people responded with vaccines and COVID and like all of that, it really freaked me out. And I I started to have a little new agey deconversion. And so now part of that work is going, okay, well, I don't have to throw that baby out with the bathwater either. There's still some validity and obviously people experience benefit from something. I'm not going to tell them they're not. And I'm also like, can we please remember science? Can we please have these things work together? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Again, we put ourselves in that polarity mentality that it has to be one or the other. And we don't have to know for anyone besides ourselves. No one can know. And I think that was a big shift for me is in, well, in a lot of stuff, but especially with the health stuff or just change in general. I'm the only one capable of that for myself. We forget doctors work for us. Those surgeries, I needed those. I wouldn't have gone to a chiropractor or acupuncturist to try to heal some of those things. Those can help with symptoms. Sure. Being a trauma therapist, I'm all about our nervous system. So I'm going to bring in and use things that calm, regulated nervous system. You're putting your body in the best place for healing. And so surgery can work, but the issue will come right back if we didn't look at what was causing yeah. it in the first place. Mm-hmm. We need like medications. Sometimes I can't do trauma work with someone that's super hypervigilant and dysregulated and a medication can help the nervous system and the brain allow for the work to happen. But I couldn't just handle everything on my own with someone trying to do trauma work. It takes a care team. People hear the word holistic and think woo. And I'm glad that it's becoming more of a thing to look at the word trauma. When I started doing trauma work, it wasn't talked about too much. And now it's it's so trendy. Yeah. (laughs) But the word integrative, holistic, just to get the message out there, it means looking at you as a whole person and whatever that looks like. Medical doctors, we need them, but we need them to look at the whole part. I can't tell you how many times like I get people that have done all kinds of stuff medical wise, and then they come to me because they couldn't figure it out. And they tell me to go see a therapist. And unfortunately, sometimes if that's not conveyed with nuance and a lot of compassion and skill, people Mm -hmm. can hear they think this is all in my head. Right. When in reality, we know, like you said, the head, the brain is literally part of the body. It's not you can't separate it. And right. then the, all those things, lifestyle, environmental factors, like all of those are impacting your nervous system, the trauma we're holding, impacting that. And so it's got to be the both. And I want to say, too, that what you mentioned about holistic, I agree with. In theory, I think that is what that word should mean is yes. a whole person. And we're going to look at whatever is needed from any kind of approach. And I just caution people, just like if you're you're working with some kind of practitioner who's only using CBT because it's evidence-based. You're probably going to be limited in what you're getting. And similarly, if you're working with someone who calls themselves holistic, but is only using spiritual energy, new age kind of stuff, and they are anti-Western medicine, like be wary, right? Because some people use that term and they're not trying to do harm. But I just think if they're really against the Western medicine approach, I'm not going to send anyone to them. <laughs> it's the opposite. It's the polar. It's yeah. the polarizing side. Whether, I mean, with the health stuff to say you can't, don't go to regular doctors or psychiatrists. Yeah. 
with anything, it we go to the extreme sides of things. Yeah, and terminology means different things to different people. So it's that is not a bad word. It's a great word. And some people might be using it in ways that like maybe, you know, caution. Caution is advised. But like you said, you're the expert in you. So always work with practitioners who are treating you that way. Yes. If they're not, then run the other direction. So yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. This has been so much fun. I could keep talking forever, but we'll schedule another time to catch up on things and tell the people how they can connect with you, how to find you, knowing some people are local, some people are not. Yes. I am Trauma Therapy of Nashville on the web and any social media. It's just Trauma Therapy Nashville. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been so much fun and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you feel moved to share it with someone you think would love it, or maybe leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I would be ridiculously appreciative. If you or someone you know has an interesting and inspiring story about change, please reach out and let me know. You can send any interview recommendations to creaturesofchangepodcast at gmail.com. For show notes for this and previous episodes, head over to gaiacenter.co slash podcast. That's G-A-I-A center.co slash podcast, where you can also check out our sister podcast, Bodyful. You can connect with me on Instagram at Val K. Martin, that's K-A-Y spelled out, and at the Gaia Center, which is the name of my Nashville-based therapy practice. You can also sign up for the Gaia Center monthly newsletter at bit.ly slash Gaia Center News, where we'll share about groups and events we're offering locally, along with tips and resources from our therapists that we hope will be valuable and relevant wherever you may be listening from. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time.